This is the Data Privacy Detective, and uh, today we're with Melissa Kern. Melissa, good afternoon. Good afternoon, Joe. And Melissa, you co-chair the Privacy and Data Security Team at, at Frost Brown Todd, a law firm of uh, 13 different cities in the United States, uh, and you, you deal with privacy a lot. Today we're going to talk about Maine's, the state of Maine's new uh, new privacy law. Thanks for Thanks for being with us. Thanks for asking me to be here, Joe. Absolutely. The uh, the, the new act doesn't come into effect until July the one, uh, July the first, 2020. Uh, we're recording this in August of 2019, so there's there's time to comply. But it's an interesting new law, isn't it? It is an interesting new consumer privacy law. Yeah, and and in, in a nutshell, what is what is this uh, particular new main law cover? Okay, so this uh, main law applies to. Uh, broadband internet access service providers and requires them to obtain consumer consent before using, selling, or disclosing their personal information. And uh, we call that opt-in consent sometimes where you actually have to say yes, I, I'm willing to do it rather than just say if you object, uh, let us know. Uh, that's the difference? Right. It's a lot different from some of the other uh, privacy laws we've seen in the states where the default is opt-in. Well, uh, yeah, the default is, uh, you know, see our privacy policy and write us back if you got a problem with it, right? That's right. more of the norm in the United States, would you say? It's more typical um, to transparently disclose your data practices and then require opt-out. Um, so the opt-in is a little bit unusual. Yeah. Uh, very good. And this would cover somebody who's providing internet broadband internet access service so it wouldn't cover every website in the world it would cover the people who let you get onto the internet is that the basic idea here? right so we've seen for example in nevada they have a privacy law that was recently enacted that applies to to people that have websites or businesses that have websites this is much narrower than that just the folks you get your access to the internet through yeah which is still a lot of companies like at&t that sells uh, right. internet access it clearly be covered by this that's right as long as there's somebody in Maine. This covers people in Maine, I take right. it. Right. So this doesn't reach outside of Maine. This is protecting customers who are physically located in Maine and receive services in Maine. Okay. But if you're a national provider, you probably have people in Maine, and so you're covered. That's how it works? Right. So national providers are going to have to look at uh, this with regard to their to their Maine customers. And it's interesting, the uh, the customer personal information covered here uh, may not cover everything, but it covers an awful lot of stuff, doesn't it? Right. It's fairly broad, so it includes personally identifying information, which is what we typically think of uh, when we think of that name, social security number, address. But it also 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 covers um, internet usage information, both information about maybe your web browser, your IP address, as well as the substance of what you're looking at online. Well, it covers, for example, browsing history. What websites does somebody look at? That kind of thing. Right, right. That's what uh, got one company into trouble with Cambridge Analytica, didn't it? Right, uh, right, yeah, exactly. among other things. Yeah. Well, now, how, how does a, a, somebody affected by this, as a, an, an Internet service provider, uh, what, what do they have to do to comply? Okay, so um, first, before they use uh, this protected information, they need all of their customers to opt in um, to allow that use. Um, and then they also have to allow them to revoke consent in cases where they consent at any time. They also have to uh, update their privacy notice and include some some specified items in there. And finally, um, this law actually requires um, internet 
access providers to uh, take reasonable security measures to protect their the customer's information. Well, the word is reasonable, and you know, someone might ask, what in the world does that mean? Right. So, um, unfortunately, it's not defined in the statute. Um, I, I think. Um, we will look to several of the standards that have been published, but we won't know until they either uh, revise the statute to be more specific or we see it hashed out in, in litigation. Well, and I, I would guess if that's the word used, that's going to change over time. And when we come to right. quantum computing that can do brute force on almost anything, the, 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 the techniques to avoid that are going to change. So that seems to be what Maine did, to have a kind of evolving standard over time. Right, and that makes sense because, because what's good security today certainly won't be good security next year. Now, there's some exceptions to this, this opt-in uh, point. Right. So if you think about it, you know, Internet service providers wouldn't be able to provide any services without some exceptions. So um, the exceptions allow them to, for example, provide services to their customer without obtaining consent. Also to bill for services. The market uh, service. Right. They can and do actually, that. You don't even know if you have a customer. They can market no. their, their communications related services to their own customers. So they don't need opt in for that. And then some of the typical um, things that we see in other privacy bills is that to protect um, health and safety and um, prevent fraud, um, they're allowed to to use it without consent. Yeah, to provide uh, geolocation information in case somebody's uh, uh, needs emergency services. Right. So there there are a variety of exceptions. That's right. Okay. Well, now, what, what did Maine specify as the penalties if uh, a company doesn't apply, comply? So, yeah, so this is where the law gets really interesting because they didn't say anything about this, which leaves everybody scratching their head. Uh, it doesn't say whether or not customers um, have a private right of action. It also doesn't say what penalties may be imposed for noncompliance. So unless the Maine legislature acts to amend the law prior to its effective date, this is a battle we're going to see in court as to whether consumers can bring a private right of action. One could probably expect the Maine Attorney General to say, oh, I have that right, but you're saying there's no specific uh, uh, description that he or she has that right, and uh, likewise for class actions or for consumers. Right, unlike most other consumer privacy laws, maybe all consumer privacy laws that we've seen, um, they definitely have specified who has the right to enforce and whether or not consumers have the right to bring a private right of action, and this one does not. Very good. Well, for example, how do, do you see any pattern? How is this uh, like the California law that it, it is, is so important to people as the January 1 of 2020 approaches and covers, you know, it's a state of 45 million people, Maine's much smaller. But how, how does this uh, Maine law compare to what we're seeing out of California? So I think that, you know, they definitely were inspired by the California law, but it is a lot different in practice. Uh, number one, it's more restrictive in that it requires opt-in consent uh, to use the data, and California uh, requires opt-out consent for sale. So it's more restrictive in that manner. Um, also, unlike the California law, this one actually has security requirements in them, in it, although they're fairly vague, like, like we said. Um, but the California law does not speak to explicitly to security. And finally, um, this um, doesn't address whether or not there's a private right of action. And right now, yeah. the California law does have a private right of action, although it's fairly limited. Limited, but there. And so right. at least you, you have a roadmap for that. Well, it, you know, it raises the general question. The United States, we're a, we're a bunch of states. We're not just a national government. How, how does a business keep up? 
you know, one that has a national set of customers like an internet, uh, most, I think, uh, most internet service providers are very uh, national. Uh, how do they keep up to date on all these laws that are changing and they differ? What's your advice? Well, um, I mean, it's difficult because there's a lot of things going on in a lot of different states. And right now, it, even though there's talk of federal privacy legislation that might preempt all these state laws, we haven't seen anything um, be put on the table yet. So, I mean, self-help is something that I advise my clients, you know, if, if you are in the space and almost everybody is, think about um, a service that you can regularly access that will keep you updated. Or if you don't have access to that, you know, it's nice to have regular talks with your with your privacy outside counsel and to have them keep you updated on the laws. We'll give you some comfort. Maybe someday we'll get to a, a national standard that's right. more common, and maybe the, the blizzard of differing state laws might uh, prompt that, would you think? I would hope that because of the differing state laws and the really different requirements that this might be the incentive that we need to get some sort of federal baseline privacy legislation because it's going to help companies ultimately with their compliance programs, which right now the prospect of developing processes and documentation for privacy laws across 50 states is daunting. Very daunting. Well, Melissa, thank you for sharing this with us. Very interesting. We'll be back to you soon. Uh, we really appreciate your help today. Well, thanks for having me. And as always, I'll conclude by reminding all of us, protecting your personal data starts with you.